Hi, I'm Kayla Solly, and I'm going to be your host for Reaching for Resources. This podcast, Reaching for Resources, Improving the Experience of Spanish-Speaking Students, will be focusing on the language barriers between teachers and students and how teachers specifically overcome these obstacles in their own way or by using resources that are available at the school. I want to first start off with why I'm making this podcast and putting it out into the world. The reason is because teachers, at least lately post-COVID, have been disrespected for all the work that they do in and out of the classroom. Try to imagine yourself in a teacher's shoes, trying to teach a student in which you know very little of their language and they know very little of your language. How would you teach them? Or would you even teach them at all? I know this isn't an everyday occurrence for most teachers, but I wanted to highlight it for others to know. I became aware of this issue back in 2019. I started tutoring in math to small groups at Lakeland Elementary Middle School in South Baltimore. The students were wonderful to teach and eager to learn, but I had the same issue that the teacher had. Some of the fourth graders that were in my tutoring group didn't speak English, or just a little bit. I knew my numbers in Spanish thanks to high school for acquiring foreign language, but that was it. Hence. A language barrier was created between the student and me. I asked other students to translate for me. We figured out a system, yet imagine being that student who had to translate for the teacher. Responsibility of their own education plus the addition to someone else's education, kind of a lot to an ask for a 10-year-old. There are over 41 million people in the United States that speak Spanish and will continue to grow as Spanish speakers become more prevalent in the United States. Nevertheless, a language barrier is bound to happen as everyone doesn't speak English as a first language. This is why I think this podcast is so important, because translators may not always be available for teachers and students to speak different languages. It doesn't have to just be students that don't speak much of the language, but parents too. If you were a teacher and you had a conference with a student's parents and you both didn't speak the same language, what would you do? Pull your phone out and get Google Translate? What about if you had to de-escalate an argument between two students? If you didn't speak the same language, could you be able to calm down an upset student? Which is why schools should have resources in place in order for everyone to be able to communicate with each other no matter the language. Now it's time to backtrack and explain the history of the Lakeland community. I first want to start on Lakeland Elementary Middle School because, well, that's what this podcast is kind of about. Firstly, I want to introduce the school. Lakeland Elementary Middle School is located at 2921 Stratton Road, Baltimore. When thinking about Baltimore from an outsider's perspective, especially from the media, They mostly focus on the black population. They are not the only demographic that's in Baltimore, which I've come to learn to be true the last few years with the tutoring program that I'm a part of that is located in Baltimore City. 
It's like every other major city with pockets of neighborhoods made up of different ethnicities. Lakeland is one of those pockets that has a large Hispanic population compared to other parts of Baltimore. It didn't always have the same demographics, which makes sense because people are always moving around, in and out of the city. Lakeland was established as a farmland right outside of Baltimore in around 1732. It was used as a tobacco plantation after being purchased from Charles Carlton after the Civil War, low-income African Americans and foreign-born whites settled in the area of Lakeland because it was a huge job opportunity of building the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad. Granted, it wasn't the best-paying job, but I lost my place. Granted, it wasn't a well-paying job, and the develop. Granted, it wasn't the best paying job, but the developers built two-story brick homes in order to accommodate the workers that were working on the B&O Railroad, and it is one of the defining features in the homes of Lakeland today. For the most part, not much changed after that. Then, around the 1990s and the early 2000s, Lakeland experienced an influx of Hispanics that moved into the community, creating the demographics now. 38% Hispanic, 38% African American, and 22% white. Lakeland, as a school, has a different set of demographics. 65% Hispanic, 29% black, and only 4% white. Which is why Lakeland has multiple ESOL teachers, which means English to speakers of other languages that help students. The ESOL teachers are supposed to work with the main teacher to make sure that the students that are learning a new language, in this case English, are on the same page as the students that are native English speakers. Some of the resources that are part of Lakeland specifically are again ESOL teachers as well as a dual language pro program. It is an immersive classroom that has instruction in Spanish and English. The cool part about it is that anyone can join the program. It doesn't have to be specifically an English learning student, but students that want to learn Spanish as well, which I think is pretty cool that you can have it both ways. In this podcast, we are going to hear stories from teachers about resources that are available for them to bridge the language gap. My hope is that these resources are discussed that can be used as a starting point for other schools and tailored to your specific school culture. Our first person that I would like to introduce is one of my friends, Zaki Collins. My name is Zaki Collins. I'm a Spanish major. I'm also pursuing an accelerated master's for elementary education. Good. Cool. Cool. Okay. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about how you ended up teaching uh, Hispanic students at Lakeland? 
Uh, so I participated into Lakeland Math Coaching, okay. and I was paired up with Miss Poise in her sixth grade math class. And I worked with Miss Poise before the previous year, and this year was the first year that she actually found out that I could speak Spanish. And so she asked me if I wanted to go work with English learning students. And I said yes, because I thought that my Spanish was like, oh yeah, I, I speak Spanish. I'm pretty good. I can hold a conversation. And so that's why that's how I ended up with that. Okay. How difficult is it to teach uh, while speaking Spanish, considering you're, you natively speak English? So for me, it was a big adjustment because like I just said, I was I'm confident in my conversational skills. I didn't think about the differences I would need in terms of like vocab and just like trying to translate my current teaching techniques into Spanish. I didn't think about any of that when I agreed. So it was actually a very difficult experience for me, but it was also like really useful because I know where I'm lacking at least in terms of that and different ways I need to go work with English learning students than I would with an English learning student, an so, English speaking student. So do you plan to like work with predominantly like teaching like other people how to speak Spanish like when you get into the teaching field or are you more like you're going to work with maybe more ESOL students? Uh, currently my plan is that I'm going to be uh, going to go teach STEM and I'm going to be using Spanish to supplement so I can help the transition for English learning students to actually learn because I do because that is like a missing area because if I remember if I remember the statistic right and half quote me on this I would say is I believe it's like one student one teacher that can speak Spanish for every like 200 students who do who like who have like limited English if if any yeah one of the statistics that I learned or well found out was that like majority of like Baltimore City students um, there's only one ESOL teacher for every 150 students. 150, not 200. That's yes. what it was. Yes. Um, that's what I found out on like the website. And so you're more interested about bringing the gap or like fixing the gap? Mm-hmm. Because I, I do have a passion for like, personally, I have a passion for teaching STEM. And I don't really think I'd get that if I were to teach Spanish only or if I was going to work with only ESOL students. So I would like to just be a, I'd like to work in the classroom, teaching whatever whatever subject I'm teaching, and being able to help those kids transition. So you're kind of, like, can be like the secret weapon almost, a little way. Sure. <laughs> I guess I'm like, yeah. the uh, way I'm thinking. What's one of your favorite memories? All right, so there was this one group of kids I was working with the year before when I was working with English learning students, but the... A large group of the students I was working with, they were, they were uh, like Latino and Hispanic, and they had stronger English skills, but they still like lacked in some areas. So every once in a while, I would just kind of like hint at like, "Hey, I understand you. Stop trying. Stop giving him the answer in Spanish." And there'd be a lot. There'd be many times when they didn't think I understood them, and then only to get get really surprised and start laughing when I responded to them in Spanish and told them to do things in Spanish. And so I, I, got, a, I got a kick out of it. They got a kick out of it. It was, uh, it was a pretty good time. That, that's pretty cool. That's happened to me once or twice. Mm-hmm. And the kids think it's hilarious. So, like, what do you think would help them benefit them the most other than just having an ESOL stu- uh, teacher? Personally, I believe what would help them a lot is if there was... This is more of a long-term mm-hmm. solution instead of a short-term one, but if there were more 
uh, language classes in schools at earlier ages. So with the way a lot of school systems work is that students won't get any exposure to the other languages until they reach like middle school, maybe, usually in high school. Whereas if they were to start getting it earlier, like in elementary school, the teachers would be better would be better used to like Spanish. Their fellow students would be better used to Spanish. The like his like Latino students, English learning students, they'd be they'd feel more welcomed in their classrooms because there's because uh like, you know they would see they would see that people are trying to make an effort. So like it wouldn't so like if there was a bigger a bigger focus on like English acquisition in earlier in earlier grades, it wouldn't have an immediate effect. But five years later, five years down the line, ten years down the line, it would have a lot larger effect. I think that's a good idea. So what would you think for teacher-wise? What do you think would help them? If teachers could implement more... I'm not saying teachers would need to be able to speak Spanish because that's, that's honestly that's unrealistic. That's a lot to ask, yeah. It's, it's unrealistic <laughs> to ask that. But if they were to be able to know a few key phrases a few words be able to just know a little bit of vocab or at the very least if they could have like graphics Mm -hmm. that would have the information both in english and in spanish okay then those those would honestly go a long way to helping students understand because there's just there are a lot of students who i did speak with or a couple students who i spoke with who didn't understand how to do like who didn't understand how fractions were just because they weren't being explained in spanish and they couldn't keep up with the teacher and the teacher didn't have like enough vocab to try to explain it to them so if there were just like maybe graphics or if teachers took the time to maybe type out specific instructions in spanish okay then now i feel like that would go a long way to helping the students understand because a lot of students they do they can't understand it they just have to have it explained to them so it's more the explaining is the problem because You've probably known at Lakeland about how they have, like, mostly everything is in Spanish and English. Like, mm-hmm. they're together mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, so, kind of, like, more like that, but more, like, classwork-wise would probably be better. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, it would just, it would honestly just help a lot with, the stu- with like, bridging that gap. Because that's where, the, like, a lot of the issue comes, comes into play. Like, there was one girl in my group, there was one girl in my group who I worked with whose math skills was on par with the rest of the class, but she was essentially being held back. No, not held back in terms of grade, but like her her math skills were being held back because nobody could explain how to do some more of those. Or how, to, could, how to explain how, could explain how to go do some of the more like advanced concepts. Whereas after it got explained, you know, with whatever skills I have, <laughs> she picked it up pretty quick. And she was able to do the prompts correctly. Well, that's good. I want to thank you for coming in and sharing your experiences with us and ways to better implement and be more mindful of things to add to the classroom or to make experiences of our students even better.